What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode five of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. History has been made right before our very eyes. That's right. The Steph Curry has passed Ray Allen for the most made three-pointers of all time at 2,974. While we are going to feature part two of Reality Check picking off from last episode, we cannot be a true basketball podcast if you don't cover greatness as soon as it happens. So that's what happened. On Tuesday, Steph Curry passed Ray Allen in the mecca of all basketball arenas, Madison Square Garden. It would have been great if he was able to do it in Golden State, but there's no place to do it like Madison Square Garden. He did it with Ray Allen in attendance. He did it with Reggie Miller in attendance. He did it with his family in attendance. It was so amazing to watch coming down, and there was just this aura about him. There was the hype going into it with, you know, when he was 16 threes back, everyone's like, oh, you know, he can do it in one game. And there was kind of the hype building. Then it dropped down to 12, then 10, then 7, then 2. And everyone knew going into it against Madison Square Garden, against the Knicks, that he was going to break the record. And when he came down and he pulled up off Wiggins Pass, 28 feet back, nothing but net. As soon as they called timeout, it, I mean, the entire arena just erupted. You know, you saw the emotions overcome him. Draymond Green was hyping him up. His family's hyping him up. Ray Allen comes on the court, gives him a huge hug. Like, I'm a Cavaliers fan. I've been a Cavaliers fan for most of my life. Uh, I have hated Seth Curry for a very, very, very long time. They have made the Cavaliers' life a living hell. Um, I have nothing but love and respect for Steph Curry. Just being able to watch what he's been able to do for the game of basketball has been nothing short of incredible. He has changed the game of basketball from what it was from, you know, a paint dominated big man game to, you know, this beautiful game that it is today. Uh, I do like that it's getting more physical. They're calling more fouls and just nothing can stop Steph Curry. It doesn't matter. He can pull up from anywhere. He can pull up with a hand in his face. He will turn around and celebrate before the ball even goes in the basket, there there is nobody like him. There may be imitators like a Trey Young, a Dane Lillard, who will pull up from 30 feet and you know make a couple. But Steph Curry, Steph Curry, man, there there's nothing like him. And to be able to do it in 511 games fewer than Ray Allen just truly shows the impact that Steph Curry is and, and every NBA record that three-pointer-wise that has been broken by Steph Curry at the rate that he's going and, and God willing he stays healthy, I mean, these records are going to be physically untouchable. And I know that people, that people may have said that about Ray Allen, but then Steph Curry came in there. I mean, there's just no way in hell anyone's even going to touch this. It's incredible. And to be able to do it in such a winning way is amazing. And it was so natural with him and Draymond and Clay, and they built the team around him, and everybody bought in because he was just that good and that generational of a player that the team just buys in. They get behind him. They just feed him the amount of work that he does off the ball of running and just and the amount of miles that he covers on a court is insane. He is the epitome of a team player while also being this incredible individual achiever, you know, two-time MVP, also being the first unanimous MVP of all time, three-time NBA champion. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of, of all the things that he's accomplished and at the rate that he's going, he's not going to stop. He has a chance to win another MVP this year the way that he's going. He is leading uh, the league right now in scoring. He is fighting Kevin Durant for that top spot in the MVP voting. And I, I really just don't think he cares. I think he's the most selfless superstar of all time. I think he only has nothing but great things to say about his teammates from Clay and Iguodala, even his short time with Durant. I mean, he even said, he's like, this is Durant's team. It's not my team. 
he is, is so selfless and it's so cool to watch. And there will never be a single person close to Steph Curry and what he's been able to do for the game of basketball. So I tip my hat to Steph Curry and it's been a joy to watch. It's been frustrating from a fan perspective, from a, but from a love of, of basketball, it's been nothing but incredible. And I'm very excited to see what, what the rest of the season as well as the rest of his career goes. So great job, Steph Curry. And we're happy to have you. Picking up from last episode, though, is part two of Reality Check. Last week, we covered a little bit of the negative side. Here, we got to hop into the positive. Last week, gave a little sneak peek, and we got to start off by covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. Got to give the home team a little hype for myself. Fourth in the East, the Cavs are right now, and they are blowing expectations out of the water. This was essentially a guaranteed lottery team. They struck gold when they were able to draft Evan Mobley in the draft, which is amazing. The fit was completely wild when they said they were going to pair Evan Mobley with Jared Allen. Then they traded Larry Nance for Lowry Marketing in that three-team deal with Portland that saw Derek Jones head over to Chicago with a couple second-round picks. And then J.B. Biggerstaff came out and said that he was going to start a three-seven-foot lineup of Lowry Marketing, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, along with two six-foot-one guards in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. And the entire NBA essentially said, when is he going to get fired? And I looked around as a fan and said, I have no idea what I'm going to watch. And the Cavaliers started off 0-2, uh, averaged 128 points allowed in those games. And I, again, had no idea what I was watching. And then you saw the adjustment. You saw something happen. You saw him move Colin Sexton off the ball and put the ball in Darius Garland's hand. And Darius Garland became the true engine of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He started to give... Evan Mobley, a lot more pick and rolls. They started to feed the ball more down low to Jared Allen. They let Larry Markin spread the floor as a spacer. They started running 1-3-1 zones, and it's just it was such incredible to watch. And they got off to this hot start. The bench was so deep. Kevin Love bought in. Ricky Rubio bought in. Chetty Osmond became a gunner, and they they shortened roles, and they bought into the team effort. Isaac Okoro came in as, as this incredible defender, and, and they just bought in, and that's where they are now. They're just buying into this team basketball game and it is so amazing to watch and the impact on defense is night and day from last year when they were a bottom three team in defense to now they're up in the top five and it's incredible you're you're not flat-footing like you are with utah with rudy gobert not being able to guard anybody outside the paint you have jared allen able to switch you have evan mobley blocking trey young on the perimeter and stopping him from getting inside larry markman sliding in feet and he's not being the liability that we thought he was Kevin Love looks inspired. Everybody is hyped. Um, unfortunately, there is the downside of Colin Sexton with his torn meniscus out for the year. He is a one of my favorite players. I think he's just an energy whiz out there. Um, but this team has proven that they just don't need him to win. And the team obviously plays better without him. And I think that from a, a, a money perspective, when he turned down a you know, $25 million extension, Cavaliers clearly got away with one, and I think that he's going to be able to sign a, a much lesser deal, come off the bench in that six-man role, a la Jordan Clarkson that a lot of teams kind of saw him as, or you know, a team's going to be able to buy low on him, kind of like when, when Victor Oladipo got hurt and he was able to sign that one-year deal. And you know, it's tough to come off a tournament heading into free agency, so we'll see how that goes. But this team is just so deep. They have seven players averaging double figures. Uh, Isaac Okoro is averaging 9.3 points, so they could have eight players averaging double figures. Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland, they're both averaging over seven assists a game. They just have such a hold on the basketball game itself. They know everything that's going on. They have 
the entire game in the palm of their hands. Darius is turning the ball over a little bit too much. He's averaging, averaging a little over four turnovers a game. But JB's letting him make those mistakes and letting him go. And in the past 10 games, he's averaging 23 points and almost nine assists a game while shooting 42% from three. Darius is hot. Him and Jared Allen are looking like bona fide all-stars. I know it's a little bit early right now. Jared is averaging 17 points, almost 11 boards, two blocks, and he's shooting 71% from the field. He is a game changer, and he's getting more involved in the offensive end, which is something that he's never been able to do with the Nets. He was a rim runner, kind of like an ally DeAndre Jordan, not really getting shots. They're feeding him down low. This team just looks so fun to watch. Darius Garland's 21. Jared Allen's 23. Mobley just turned 20. Okoro's 21. The list goes on and on. This team is so young, but having veterans that buy in and, and are role models for those players, the sky at the limit. I do think from a contender standpoint, I think it's a little bit early to say that they're going to compete with teams like Milwaukee and the Nets and a little bit short of the team that we're going to cover next. But you're not going to want to face this team in the playoffs just based on the, the depth and the grittiness. And they can go into an eight-man rotation and just absolutely knock you out for 48 minutes and do an eight-man rotation. And I'm so excited to watch this team in the playoffs and watch this team grow. And because I, I do think this is a guaranteed playoff playoff team, not a plan. They will be a top four, top five seed in the East. And let's just see where this goes. Let's go. Let's go Cavaliers. Uh, the next team that is one spot above them is the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls are currently 17-10 and 10 and third in the East. Chicago made a full facelift in the offseason, signing Lonzo Ball to a tremendous deal. Four-year, $80 million. Uh, Zach Levine heading to free agency. you got big decisions coming in. No contract extension was signed. Zach said that he wanted the respect that he believed that he had earned and wants to continue that. They also traded a lot of picks and Thaddeus Young to get DeMar DeRozan, which everybody believed was an absolute laughingstock. They also went and signed Alex Caruso to a nice little deal, just under $10 million AAV. They traded for Nikolai Vucevic last year, traded two first-round picks. So they are fully in win-now mode. And everybody kind of looked around and said, who the absolute hell is going to play defense on this team? Turns out, everybody. Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, has changed the complete dynamic of this team. Unfortunately, when it comes to defense, you can't leave out Patrick Williams, who unfortunately is out for the year with a knee injury. You hate to see it. But they are dominating on the defensive end. This team was essentially pegged to be a bottom three team in defense. They're in the top 10. They don't have a single paint presence. They have Nikolai Vucevic and Tony Bradley at the center position. Neither one of those are paint presence, but they're trying. They're actually being physical bodies and very similar to how Nikolai Jokic plays defense. He's not a true switchy. He really doesn't cover the paint, but he's there. He's a body. He goes straight up. He contests, and that's it. That's all you can ask for. Nikolai Vucevic is average when it comes to being testing at the paint. When it comes to field goal percentage, he's allowing 56% at the paint, which is just at league average. That, from a guy who is considered a very, very, almost like a pylon cone to a certain extent, that's all you can ask because Caruso and Lonzo Ball and even Zach Levine, who looks completely energized from playing at the Olympics, is like, oh, shit, is this what it's like to win? I'm down with this. I'm here. I'm ready for it. That's amazing. And they have two alpha dogs in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Both of those players are averaging 26 points a game, but it doesn't live and die by those two players on offense. They have five players averaging 3.5 assists or more 
They're playing full-on team basketball, and a lot of credit has to go to Billy Donovan, who has been known to be a pretty damn good defensive coach. I just didn't think that he was this good to be able to get this kind of player personnel to buy in. I just I didn't expect it. And going back to, to Vooch, because I think he's the X factor in this team. I think when you look at it, I think Zach Levine is playing exactly where he is. I think him and Devin Booker are so interchangeable. They're both incredible players, and I'm just so excited to see Levine get the full-on max. He, just, he deserves every second of it. DeMar DeRozan is deserving that bag, and he looks like almost like a steal to a certain extent, getting under a 30 million AAV. Vujic is averaging 40% from the field. That is 7% lower than his career low since his rookie season with Philadelphia. He's going to get in rhythm. There's, there's no way for an entire season he is going to shoot this poorly from the field. Once he gets going on the offensive end, this team is going to be even better. That doesn't make sense. So it's super exciting there. Also, Kobe White really hasn't gotten into it. So I really don't understand like how this team's going to look, but they're going to get better. And they're already the top three team in the East. Like, Could they potentially push Brooklyn for that number one spot? Kyrie's not playing right now. Harden doesn't look from, look like himself. The Bucks are kind of in and out and have a lot of injury, in, injuries. Don't really know what they're looking like. So the Bulls could push toward the top. It's, it's interesting. I don't necessarily know how it's going to go, but let's go Bulls, I guess. The next team has been the, I mean, the talk of the league over the past month or so, the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies, the grit and grind era, it's back. It's back. They retired Zebo's jersey, and the, the aura of Zebo is just living in that arena. The Memphis Grizzlies are 18-11 and 11 and good for fourth in the Western Conference, but behind true top dogs, Phoenix, the Warriors, and unfortunately, the Utah Jazz. They got off to a very, very slow start and not like themselves. They were bottom three in the league in defense to start after the first 10 games. They looked nothing like themselves from defense. Jaron Jackson was hurt, so I think that was a huge factor as well as Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson came back, and this team essentially just turned the hell around. They are deep, they are young, and they are here. I know we saw John Morant last, last year when he exploded in the playoffs and they knocked out the Warriors in the playing game and they moved on. John Morant's here. This is this is a full-on John Morant, John Morant all-star coming out party. 24 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, and doing what he has always been known as weakness. He's shooting 35% with almost 5 attempts per game. He's never had that kind of volume from 3, and... That's incredible. That was a huge knock on his game because everyone says he's too skinny. He can't constantly just keep attacking the paint. He doesn't have a jump shot. He's almost going to kind of turn into a rich on Rondo type, but has a little bit more of an inside game. He is blowing those things out of the water, and he looks amazing. He's giving a lot on defense. He still isn't really – he's still a little bit of a below-average defender, but the team is just saying, we got you. D'Anthony Melton's got him. Devin Bain's got him. Jaron Jackson. Dylan Brooks. Steven Adams. The list goes on and on. This team is – deep and they're young you have so much of their core that's younger than 26 years old they have lottery picks they just got Zaire Williams in a in the draft in the top 10 he's barely playing but that's how deep this team is they don't need him to play and I love the growth that's coming from JJJ 
and Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is out here averaging 16 points, shooting 43% from three, and is just being a tremendous secondary playmaker. Dylan Brooks picked off where he left off in the playoffs last year when he averaged 25 points in the playoffs. He's averaging 18, playing absolute lockdown defense. He is a huge frame. I didn't really know Dylan Brooks was this big. Six foot seven, 225. He can guard ones, he can guard twos, he can guard threes, and occasionally he can step into that small ball four. He just hasn't needed to because of the ability of Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming in, and he got that huge extension of a four-year, $105 million extension. A lot of people raised eyebrows. He's hurt. It really wasn't incentivated. A lot of that was guaranteed, and people are kind of looking around. He got a slow start for the season. He was hurt, and he's just saying, I got it. He is a future 20-10 and 10 guy. He is able to shoot the three. He's off to a slow start right now, shooting 33%, but the percentages will go up. He has been great over his past 10 games. And speaking of the past 10 games, John Moran has missed the past 10 games. The Memphis Grizzlies are 9-1. and one. They don't care about any expectation that the league has for them. They are out here winning games, being overly competitive, and dominating every expectation that was set for them. They were a playoff team last year. Yes, they made the play-in team, but because the West got so deep, the expectations were they were probably going to be in the play-in tournament again. So to see them in a top-four seed this kind of late in the season where we're almost, you know what, almost 30-plus games in the season heading into halfway, that's insane. That's a huge comp moment for them. And I want to see I want to see more of Memphis. I'm excited to see where this team goes. And you got to tip the hat to Steven Adams. He is playing his role to a T. He's averaging nine rebounds. He's averaging eight points. He is playing great defensive team and just spreading the ball, being a great communicator, kind of in that Draymond Green role. He doesn't need the ball, doesn't demand the ball, and just goes out there and does what he does best. And this team needs those type of players. And very similar to like when you look at Tony Allen and what he was able to do, Steven Adams is kind of doing that same role, just in almost a big brother role in the paint, doesn't necessarily block shots, does exactly what's needed of him. And that's what this team needs. And I'm very excited to see what Memphis Grizzly does for the rest of the season. Could they lock down and kind of be very similar to like what the Knicks were with that top defense, blowing out expectations and getting home court? That's to be seen. But I'm rooting for Memphis, and I'm very excited to see it. Last but not least... The Los Angeles Clippers. I was going a little torn here. I kind of wanted to mention the New Orleans Hornets just because I think that they're so, so cool to watch and so good. But they got a lot of hype in the offseason. So they really weren't, you know, there wasn't a reality check. I think that where they're at is where people predicted them. People predicted them in, you know, the top half of the play and potentially a playoff team. The expectations for the Clippers just weren't there. When you lose Kawhi Leonard, this was a lost season. The expectations were play the young guys, let Paul George run, and whatever happens, happens. They're killing it. 16 and 13, they're good for fifth in the West. They're right behind the Memphis Grizzlies. But I'm telling like, you don't just come back from losing a potentially a, a top three player in this league in Kawhi Leonard, who not only on the defensive end is arguably the best player in the league, but is a two-time finals MVP and carries your team on offense. Kawhi Leonard is the staple of this team, and Paul George is just saying, Hop on. I got you. Averaging 25 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. He is putting up almost similar numbers to the year in OKC when he finished 3rd in the MVP voting. He is playing out of his mind, and it's so cool to see Paul George kind of outplay that, you know, that pure meme of, of playoff P when they got bounced in the first round. You know, This team made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. That can't go unnoticed, and I think that it's crazy that we talk about them like, almost that they're blowing expectations out of the water. 
as a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. But that that's all people were talking about. People were talking about Lakers, 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 Lakers. Nobody, nobody talked about the Los Angeles Clippers. And you have to give them their due. They are deep. They are uberly switchy on defense. And they're doing I just I fell in love with them last year when they beat the Jazz. When they ran out that five guard lineup, and then Marcus Morris plays a small ball five. They're still doing a little bit of that this year, playing Paul George at the four, playing Marcus Morris at the five, playing Trey Mann at the three, and doing a backcourt of Eric Bledsoe as well as Reggie Jackson. Um, Reggie Jackson is averaging 17 points a season. He's not really averaging great percentage wise. He's shooting just around 40 percent, not great. But he's doing great on offense when it comes to initiating. He's averaging he has great, almost a three to one assistant turnover ratio. So he's making up for it there. Ed, Eric Bledsoe looks revitalized, playing in his new role, kind of playing as like the de facto secondary playmaker coming off the bench as well as starting. And Trey Mann looks great. Luke Kennard shooting threes. Nick Batum's playing his role. You have guys like Brandon Boston or come off the bench going for over twenty points in some of these games. Like you have young guys on this team that are also making a difference. Big men that are so under appreciated and undervalued in Isaiah Hartenstein, as well as Iva Zubach. They don't have a single like star or starter on this team besides Paul George. But if they're in the same position heading into the playoffs, heading into, let's say, the first round of the playoffs, and they're matched up with a team like the Utah Jazz, or they're matched up with a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, and Kawhi comes back and is cleared and healthy, and plays in the last two regular season games. And Kawhi says, yeah, I'm ready. This team's a contender. That's the kind of impact a player of Kawhi Leonard's status. When you're throwing out a lineup of Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Zubach, Hardenstein, or whoever you want to throw in there, that's incredible. That team can go toe-to-toe with anybody because that's just what Kawhi Leonard does. He creates open shots for everybody. Reggie Jackson has shot over 40% from three of the past two seasons. So is Eric Bledsoe. So is Luke Kennard. Marcus Morris shot 40% the past couple of years. Like, this team is just surrounded by shooters and built perfectly for Kawhi Leonard to thrive. So once he comes back, there's not a single doubt in my mind that this team can go out there and win a championship and be competitive and blow those expectations out of the water and think this quote-unquote lost season was not a fluke. Like, they're out here and they're going to make you earn it. They're going to make you earn it every night. And I am going to give a quick shout-out. you got to give it to Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue got a lot of hate for what he did in Cleveland because it's LeBron's team. Whenever he kind of handpicks his coach, I know him and David Blatt didn't get along, got rid of him at the All-Star break. Tyron Lue comes in, helps lead the team to a championship. And he is a great players coach. He gets players involved. When he was fired in Cleveland, when LeBron left, it was a full-on resignation. You can fire him all you want. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't going to sit there for a rebuild. He goes to the Clippers, takes an associate head coach job. Doc leaves, goes to Philly, and he takes his team to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, he does everything well. He's a tremendous defensive coach. He has a great offensive game plan. No matter who is out there, you could see it right now. He only has one star in Paul George out there and a bunch of starter to bench level players and they are competitive they're a top five team in the west and that has to go and be recognized this team is top 10 in in the league in three-pointers made as well as three-pointer percentage and they're top six in fouls given so they have the top six least amount of fouls they're disciplined 
They're playing aggressive defense, almost picking up full court to a certain extent for the entire game. And I give a lot of credit to Trey Mann. It's an insane amount of cardio, dude. Like, they're here. They're ready. And it's just fun to watch. And from a pure basketball perspective, like, the pure dissection of the game from Tyron Liu and kind of plugging and playing these players, uh, well, sorry. playing that is insane. And I am so happy to see Tyron Liu be able to do that. And... I'm ready to see what the rest of the season looks like. You know, these teams are are going to be up and down. They're going to make expectations, but I do see all four of these teams as potential top four teams for home court advantage. So how they how they go and how they grow is going to be fun to watch. That about wraps it up for today. Appreciate you guys coming by and giving us a listen. Every Wednesday and Saturday, we got new episodes of the podcast on Spotify, as well as checking us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Courtside Views. Appreciate it. Have a good one, guys.